Good morning, church. My name's Kaylin, and I am so blessed and honored to get to bring to you the word of the Lord this morning. I have had an exciting week, a busy week, a full week around the church. We have been serving our community. We have been growing in leadership. And I had a personal extra invite yesterday to participate in a pretty awesome opportunity as a mom. Uh, And I see one of my moms out here. Thanks, Kathy, for being here. We, as moms of the Lakota East High School football team, were invited to come to practice yesterday. We had a four-hour practice with our boys. Uh, The calling that day was to do what your son does. It's a whole lot harder than we think, moms. It's easy for us to sit in the stands and yell, what kind of throw was that? Or what are you thinking? It is way beyond and much more complex, and that was good experience. While there, um, you might be wondering, why would you say yes to spending four hours in a stinky, very, very stinky, can I remind you? what football players smell like after a summer of practice. Stinky locker room. Maybe you're wondering why would you say yes. I mean, the choices like Nineveh or football locker room. Nineveh. I chose the locker room yesterday. Why? Because there's someone in that locker room that I am madly in love with. My son, he's on that team. So any opportunity that I get to go spend four hours doing what he loves to do, sign me up. Embarrassment and all, bruised backside from the tackle drills and all, I am here for it. You see, we are invited day after day to make decisions. We have opportunities that come our way. Jonah was no different. I want you to stand with me today as we dive into just the first section of Jonah. It's really hard as a preacher to stop at such a point in the pivotal story of someone's life, but that's what I'm called to do today. So join with me. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. In Jonah chapter one, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Do you see a pattern of lack of empathy in Jonah's life? How can you sleep? 
Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let's cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. He knows his identity. This terrified them, and they know his identity too. They asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, and so they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, and it will calm down. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. And they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Don't hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. They were not taking blame. Then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. And at this, the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and nights. Come back next week to find out what happens. <laughs> let's pray. Yes, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to come and gather as the people of God today. May our hearts be open to all that you have to share with us. And may your word come to each of us in the unique way that we need to hear it. In your great name we pray. Amen. Jonah. Jonah is one example to us we find in scripture, but over history, we find even more interesting people and places and times where the word of God has come to them. There was a man, a young college student, actually just a high school graduate named William Borden. William was born to a wealthy family in 1887, but around 1904, William graduates from high school, and this wealthy family that is of the silver business, not the dairy, from Chicago, gives him a graduation trip of sailing around the world. That's a pretty wealthy family in 1904, especially. And so William goes on that adventure, and William comes to find people and places and sights and smells and sounds and emotions that transform his life and his willingness and his call for the Lord. 
He decides upon graduation he is not going to participate in the business and the company of his family, and he will travel, and he will go to be a missionary. Well, William ends up saying yes to God, but first finishing his education, so he returns to the United States and goes to Yale. But William lived by three words, no reserves, no retreats, and no regrets. Thank you. Three phrases, thank you. I need you in my life. We see that William sat at the breakfast table at Yale University during this 1908 to 1912 period, and he prayed for breakfast with a friend. And he read scripture with his friend, and then they discussed the promises of God found there. Well, that group of two turned into three, turned into four, and by the end of his freshman year, there were about 180 Yale college students in small groups around the campus that would meet weekly in prayer, scripture, and promises of God. By the time William was entering his senior year, 1,300 Yale University college students would gather weekly on the campus in small groups for discipleship, praying, reading scripture, and discovering God's promises for their lives. I don't have time to tell the rest of William's story today, but there's a thing called Google. You can look it up. William lived and died with no reserves, no retreats, and no regrets. Example number one. And then there is Jonah. Jonah. Jonah seems to have his own personal mantra at this phase in his life, at this point that we enter Jonah's life in the text. Jonah, as a prophet, seems to be saying, God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do as long as I want to do it. I'll go anywhere. I'll breathe in your word and I'll breathe out your love as long as it's to who I want to do it. Jonah. Now, I have a children's book. This story is a story that most of you have been hearing since we time in your life. And even if you didn't grow up in the church, it's probably a story at some point you encountered. This was given to me when I was pregnant with my daughter Claire, teaching at Woodland Elementary, and another teacher gave me a set of books, and this was one. It is well-loved well-worn. I thought I would give you the quick version of Jonah's story today so you're prepared for the rest of the series. So shall we go? I had this memorized. I read it to my kids. They read it to each other and on and on. Here's the story. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah didn't want to go. So Jonah ran away. Jonah tried to hide on a ship. The ship sailed away. A big storm came. The sailors were afraid. Jonah fell into the sea. God sent a whale to swallow Jonah. Jonah stayed inside the whale for, oh, you know the story, three days. He told God he was sorry for running away. God forgave Jonah. The whale spit Jonah onto dry land and Jonah went to Nineveh right away. 
The people of Nineveh were happy to see Jonah. Jonah told them all about God's love. Jonah, verse one. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Stop right there. This, here's a miracle. It is a miraculous act that the word of the living God comes down to a human. And when the word of the Lord comes to you, we have a response. It should be to stop. Listen. Consider, brothers and sisters, 1 Corinthians 1.26 says, brothers and sisters, consider your calling. The word of the Lord came to Jonah and Jonah rejects it. It's not the word he wants to hear. Jonah is told, get up and go is what some translations say, but go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come before me. Wow. Some of you might be saying, why? Why not, Jonah? Maybe we have in our imagination over all these years that Jonah's just a bad dude. He is just a lazy prophet. But that's not true. Prophets have a role in our story of God. And a prophet's role was to hear the word of God and go tell it to the people. We are a lot like Jonah a lot more like Jonah than we want to sometimes admit. I chose the football team yesterday. Why? Because there are boys in that locker room I love greatly. Because I care about their well-being. Why did people show up this week? You as a church cooked 150 breakfast burritos for those boys, 120 muffins, and showed up at 7.30 in the morning to stand on the sideline of the field and give them a breakfast burrito and a muffin and a piece of fruit and Gatorade. Why? Because the word of the Lord has come to you, and the word of the Lord has said to you to go to my people and be love and show grace and offer mercy. And Jonah hears this, but Jonah doesn't want to go. Now, I know that you might be thinking, what? Jonah, this is your job. We have to do our jobs. We're responsible people. But I want you to know that in this research, Nineveh is not a place I'd want to go. I think my response, and even today, I, I think I don't want to go to the place of the world that is Nineveh. Nineveh, in this period of history, is very different from where Jonah is with his Israelite family. The Israelites during this period of history, in about 800, are really living in a time of prosperity. 
The Israelites are controlling the ports and the trade routes and things are going well for them. Their wealth is increasing and with wealth comes their power and they are living in a time of goodness and fruitfulness and Jonah knows about the Ninevites. They're barbarians. They're the Assyrians. Now in history, with even out biblical history, we can look to life during this time period of the Assyrians and we find artifacts where there are pictures of the Assyrians as soldiers who are chopping off arms and legs. That was the punishment. And making human shish kebabs for enjoyment, for control. I didn't want to go to Nineveh. A stinky locker room or Nineveh. Nineveh, we all find ourselves being called to sometimes to places that we're not exactly comfortable, we're not exactly ready to say yes to. He was told to get up and go. God calls this place a great city. It was. It was gargantuan in its day. It was 18 miles wide and it was the top of the Assyrian control. Nineveh. Jonah is not going to consider it. Sometimes, like Jonah, we could sit and say, oh, God's word is essential to my living. God's word is what I am founded on but it's a whole different thing to live like it. God is saying to Nineveh, it's time for you to come to terms with my grace. And God's got the power to do it, but here's the exciting thing is, he wants Jonah to partner with him in the mission that he wants to do in Nineveh. He invites us, he's a relational God, and Jonah knows this. You'll learn later. Part of Jonah's reason for not wanting to go, because he knew how wide and deep was God's love for the people he had created, all of them even wicked, evil people. And so Jonah, we see, is here in the belly of a whale. How did he get there? He didn't pause to consider the word of God that had come to him. He already had his mind made up. We need to pause. You coming to church today is kind of like your pause during your week. It's this natural rhythm of coming in, hearing the word of God, and considering it, brothers and sisters. Hear the word of God and consider it today. So Jonah finds himself in the belly of the whale, but here's the beauty of the story. I found... The belly of the whale for Jonah is actually a means of grace in Jonah's life. 
You may have been like Jonah and gone your own way, and you may have found yourself in a pit in the deep, deep darkness, in the stinky, lonely places, running in fear, going your own way. But here is where God meets you. You are never too far from God. You can never outrun God's grace. Jonah, in this very first chapter, is teaching us that he went his own way, that even Jonah the prophet, even Jonah, who knew the long story of God's faithfulness to his people, even Jonah doubted. Even Jonah got scared. And even Jonah didn't want life interrupted. And Jonah's response teaches us something. Jonah did not live by no regrets, no retreats, and no reserves. Jonah went his own way. And some of you today, if this hasn't been your story, or maybe it has, take time to celebrate those belly of the whale moments where God and his grace pursued you just like Jonah. See, Jonah said, I'm going to run away from the Lord. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> run away from the Lord. Try it. He's faster. <laughs> God's grace is always running after you, always pursuing you before you're even aware of it. And that's what's happening here. God won't let go. But you have loved ones that may be in the belly of the whale today and you're heartbroken, and you're discouraged, and you're wondering if they will ever hear the word of the Lord in such a deep, dark place. But we have a story today that tells us they can. They can. There are two loves that I see in this story this week. God's love for Jonah, a prophet, a good man who made a mistake. God loves Jonah enough to pursue him again and again and again. And when we think we can outrun God, God says, try it. I'll beat you there. I mean, I tried my best yesterday, but there was no way I was going to outrun those football players. They weren't going to let me. Try it, Mom. <laughs> I'll beat you there. Jonah finds himself in this place, and sometimes we do too, and often we feel like all hope is lost for us, for those we love, but we can be sure because of Jonah's story, because of people like William Borden who say yes to God and not I'll go my own way. 
or yes to God until I don't like what God wants, God's grace intervenes and runs after us. That's the first love I see, this love for Jonah that we can be assured of is still our love today. The second love I see is God's love for the Ninevites. Evil, wicked. He refers to them as a great city. God is not afraid of wickedness. God is not afraid of evil. I am. Jonah was. See, we don't get to know exactly why Jonah goes his own way and doesn't even consider the call. But if we get a little glimpse later on, but after I read about what Nineveh was like, I think I understand why Jonah didn't want to go. When we look at this text and any other story like this in Scripture, there's some questions we should ask. Number one, how is God at work here? How was God at work in this story? And number two, how is God at work right now through this story in my life, in our life? I don't know what your Nineveh is. And in my world today, God's made it clear, isn't even to try to define that. God, in the power of the Spirit, is speaking to you already. I believe that, so I can trust that. But I know one thing, just like Jonah, we all have a commission. Some translations title this chapter, uh, the commissioning of a reluctant prophet. I hope that's not my title one day. Because I have a commission, and you do too. It's in Matthew, so let's go there and read this great commission. I am going to start at verse 18 in the Great Commission. If you've been in my small group this summer, we've been reading this, ladies, seventh through ninth graders, because we've been studying what it means to be missional and have a missional mindset. Then Jesus came to them, to us, to all y'all here today. Then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, here's our commission, to go and make disciples in all nations, even Nineveh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to do and obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I think at this moment, the disciples were like, yeah, let's go. Jesus is with me, like, yeah, God, let's go. And then ha, Nineveh came, evil, wickedness, and belly of the whale moments where we want to give up, run as far away as we can 
from being God's goodness in the world around us because it's hard and it doesn't make sense sometimes. In the locker room at Lakota East High School, they have redone this locker room. Um, yesterday we went in, it actually did smell really good, didn't it, Kathy? Yeah, we were like, wow, we weren't expecting this. But they had prepared for the moms. Coach Kitna had purchased little Glade plug-ins and had those dispersed all around. He strongly urged, begged, pleaded the boys to take home their uniforms and wash them. Even those stinky receiver gloves, like, oh my word. <laughs> Never have I smelled. I, I couldn't figure it out. My van's full, you know, elementary school football player, carpool mom. And I am like, if I have to pick that boy up again, what, what is that smell? Then eventually I find out it's these gloves. So, so they worked really hard and they have made this locker room to be a place of inspiration and a place of calling and a place to not just be a good football player, but a good man. And so on the wall, there is this saying, um, I'm going to get it wrong. It's an acronym. I, it's not a real word. It's, what, how do you say it, Andy? I got, I don't know. It's, it's all you got all the time. It's A Y. G-T-A, all you got all the time. It's an acronym, it's a made up word on the wall. All you got all the time. No reserves, no retreat, and no regrets. Is that your story? Do you want it to be your story? And maybe you think, well, it's not, so I'm done. I'm a worthless prophet. I'm washed up. It's over for me. I can't get out of this belly of the whale. But that's not true. God's grace is pursuing you. We, um, in the Church of the Nazarene, we have been a part of saying yes to God for over a hundred years. In fact, the very, very beginning of our mission as the Church of the Nazarene was to send people into the world. I'm going to share a video with you this morning. See, I don't know what your Nineveh, what your word of the Lord is that's come to you about how you can go and be um, on mission and share God's grace in the world. But here's an example. This woman is from Chile, and as a young college student, life interrupted. Life interrupted one day when a family member gave birth to a child with Down syndrome. This young woman, young college student, had decided um, what she was going to major in in college, but at this point in the story of her family, she changes her major. She experiences... Yes to a call. You see, Eugene Peterson calls the Christian life a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. I don't like long, really. I like yes, boom, got it done. Yay, God. See, we did it. Okay, move on. The Christian life 
And mission, your church, this video I want you to know shows that your church has been participating in the long obedience in the same direction since the beginning and still today is at work. Maybe it will give you an imagination, a, a spurring on to make those muffins, to cook those burritos, to stand on the sideline and smile and say hi. Take a look. When I was 17, my cousin was born with Down syndrome. My family was devastated. We asked why and struggled to understand. When you see such a great need around you, you have to respond to it. I changed my university focus to social work so I could help families who have children with disabilities. I wanted to help my family and my cousin. In many places, disability, health issues, and poverty are connected. People with disabilities have nowhere to go. They can't work or support themselves. They are stripped of their dignity. Where many see disability, I see opportunity. An opportunity for the church to love those in need. To be treated as what they are, people. And that, without a doubt, is to see the world as Jesus sees it. We started a small ministry on Saturdays to help people with cognitive disabilities. Have our church volunteer to help. We call the ministry the view of love because this is how Jesus sees people with disabilities. Seeing the joy and impact this ministry was making, parents wanted us to do more. In less than three months, our little ministry grew to serve more than 40 people. Our young people in the church began to catch the vision. Many of them saw training in related professions to help serve in our ministry. It's wonderful to see them embrace the vision to serve those in need. We want our community to know love, to feel supported, to meet Jesus. We believe that everyone deserves the opportunity to have a fulfilling life. When one of our church members had a son that was born with autism, our vision grew once again. We decided to start an inclusive school with students of all abilities, learning, growing, and sharing together. We now have over 44 students in our school. We are not a typical church. We are small, but God is using us in big ways. We see now that He had a plan all along, and we have been obedient in serving Him. I never imagined that God would use us to serve this community. He has inspired us challenged us and transformed us. 
to see the impact the ministry is making is truly beautiful. What will God do next? All I know is that we will be here, ready, answering His continued call. We dream about every church of the Nazarene having a view of love ministry. I can't imagine my life without this ministry. I'm okay. I love that this is my life. View of love has taught me about the value of being accepted. It has taught me how to love. Miranda is living with no retreats, no reserves, and no regrets. And her story isn't the only story. There are many, many more who took Jonah's example and decided, I want to be different. I, I want to say yes. I want to respond to the world around me the way God is inviting me to respond in the unique ways that I'm gifted. It's easy as leaders um, to accept a calling and then um, be insecure. We make mistakes just like Jonah. As I've been stepping into this call and these places in the last few years of my life, there are mistakes I have made. And God's grace has been there every time. I couldn't outrun his grace. You see, I've made the mistake of um, thinking, you don't have the resources. I've made the mistake of saying, I'm not smart enough, God. I've made the mistake of looking at my bank account instead of God's. I've made the mistake of believing what other people have said about me instead of what God says about me. I've made the mistake of believing you're too old. It's too late. But every time, in that belly of the well moment, God meets me there. Why did God meet Jonah? Why did God go to the belly of the whale? Because there was someone in there that God was madly in love with. And God is madly in love with you. And therefore, God will always pursue you. And we have a response. We have a choice. The, the band is going to sing a song for us, inviting us to respond today. It's a song of reflection. Maybe it's not these particular ways that God is inviting you to participate with the way he wants to go love evil and wicked Ninevites. 
That's between you and God. You see, I don't see anywhere in here where Jonah was like, okay, let me think. I'm going to talk to my mentor. I'm going to call a friend. I'm going to go to prayer. I'm going to see what the Lord's word says. Like those are the natural responses we should have. We consider, brothers and sisters, our calling. We do not reject it and go our own way. And we make mistakes. But we can't outrun God. God calls us and our response should be, send me, send me.